0: What is up, daddy gang? It is your founding father, Alex Cooper, with Call Her Daddy. Misha Barton, welcome to Color Daddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy we're finally doing this. <laughs> I know. We've like wanted to do this for so long and our schedules have been shit and we're finally mm-hmm. here. We're on the couch. We're cozy. We're ready to go. We're doing it. So Daddy Gang, we're currently in New York, which is where you grew up and kind of like where you really I feel like got your start. Do you plan on staying here long term? Like is New York it for you?
1: I love New York. I mean, I just feel more at home here. I've actually, I mean, this last year, like since we first started talking, like I've been spending a lot of time in London and Europe again, but like I get that kind of, those kind of vibes when I'm in New York and I get the culture and I, you know, I started in the theater. I love being able to like go to the theater all the time and like hang out in the cute little bookshops and I love like the village where I live. It's romantic and cute. It is.
0: It's magical. I used to live here and like every, Every time I come back, I'm like, I "Yeah, miss you're you. an East Coast girl, right?" Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, but well, you were born in London,
1: or yes, England? yeah, no, okay. I was born in London, yeah. and then we moved to New York when I was five and a half. So, I uh, I actually had like a little British accent and the whole thing when I was a kid, and had to lose it. I got teased mercilessly in school. Was that actually a good thing? Sometimes
0: for like work, could would they be like do a British accent, and you could, and or do an American, and you could? Yeah,
1: I still do. I mean. I'm very grateful for it because when I went to, like, they had to send me to a speech coach to, like, get a proper... Transatlantic accent So like, I do be a valley girl bitch You're like uh, oh god what? Well They're that like- was That's really hard for, Believe it or not That's more complicated It took living in LA for years To be able to understand What that even was Because I only moved to LA For the OC So like They were like They would always be like Can you sound more like You know you're from the valley Or more Orange County And I was like I don't actually Like I've never been to Orange County I don't actually Like know what that is You know what's weird though, listening to you talk?
0: You're so right. You have this like eloquent, tiny twang underneath, and it is clearly from that like English background. So you got a great voice. Going back to the beginning, what were you like as a kid? relationship and experience with therapy i was so ready to get better and to better myself and to understand myself more if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online convenient and flexible It's easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists whenever you need to for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash daddy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash daddy. Two years ago, I became pregnant with a baby I desperately wanted. During a routine ultrasound, I learned that the fetus would have a fatal condition and never survive. I had to flee my own state to receive treatment. I think Donald Trump bears an incredible amount of responsibility for these restrictive laws. We need leaders that will protect our rights, and that's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris.
1: I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message.
0: Going back to the beginning, what were you like as a kid?
1: I was... I- pretty serious and very shy at first so like I was like painfully shy and kind of awkward I guess Mm -hmm. like not very um, but very serious. When we think of actors and actresses
0: I feel like people that can't relate are always like oh my gosh they're like the most outgoing and and then I feel like every time I speak to an actor they're like no, I'm insecure. I was, like, <laughs> trying to find my
1: voice, so, like, acting helped. Like, how did you then find yourself, well, like, putting yourself
0: in these situations?
1: I got into it by, um, I didn't want to do any of, like, the outdoor activities at camp, but so I wrote this, like, monologue, and then that was what you all had to perform something or show what you'd been doing all summer at camp. And so, like, my big sister had been, like, horseback riding and doing all this stuff, and I was just, like, sitting there writing. And um, I performed the monologue, and then, like, I guess someone's parent in the audience was an agent at a literary agency here in New York and was like, oh, well, she should definitely get into acting. And so, like, I tried it, and yeah, the rest is history.
0: When I think about child actors, I always am like, okay, I can't imagine your social life in school, but was your experience like you were the cool kid in school or were you getting bullied or was you were just kind of like fitting in?
1: I was always a bit like on the outside. I only had like one best friend and I was friends with a lot of the boys, but it was always like me and this girl, Laura Katzman. And like, it was just the two of us. And we were kind of like outsiders and like, we were considered a bit like, you know, yeah, gothic, a bit weird, a bit like off the bean. So we weren't popular, no. Yeah. I, that definitely wasn't the case. And I got teased once The Sixth Sense and stuff came out, and the kids realized that I was like, you know in movies then I got teased and I did not want to be homeschooled they tried and I fought that tooth and nail I just Why? acted up until they sent me back to school I just didn't want to be stuck at home with my sister and like it taken away from like that social like it was so important to me to like have some semblance of a normal yeah. kind of I, I enjoyed school like I really genuinely enjoyed learning and like I didn't want to become that, like, weirdo kid who was isolated, who had no, like, social kind of interaction.
0: Right, you're like, let me be, like, gothic with my one friend in the
1: cafeteria, <laughs> mom.
0: Like, let me live, yeah, okay? Like- that was important to <laughs> me. <laughs> so, after high
1: school, you had plans to go to Yale. There was an early acceptance to the drama program, which I wanted Flex. to do. That's, like, a huge deal. And then you decided not to go. I got cast in the OC when I was... You know, it was right at that kind of pivotal moment where it was going to, like, kind of, yeah, affect the rest of your life. And I fought it originally. I didn't really want to do it, but I flew out and I kind of did an episode on another series, like, a different series that McGee was doing. And basically, everyone was like, you have to take this opportunity. You have to, because it's, like, it's a big role and... It's a life changing thing. Do you ever look back at that decision and like question like, hmm. I mean, yeah, but, like, I'm still like that. Like, I live near NYU. I, like, every day I walk by, I'm like, oh, I used to sit in in the back of, like, some of my friends' lectures and classes that were going to Columbia and NYU and stuff, and I would just, like, I mean, I was obsessed with school culture and learning. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to walk
0: past NYU, like, tomorrow, and I'm like, (laughs) is that Misha? You're, like, sitting in the classes. Yeah, but I
1: do, I find it fascinating. I mean, like, you know, my big sister, she's so smart. I mean, she studied law politics economics mm-hmm. and like it was always like she went to the University of Edinburgh in the mm-hmm. end but like yeah I don't know I was always very jealous of of that but yeah it always kind of didn't sit well with me that I didn't get to do university that I didn't get to go to college so we
0: talk about the OC we got to get into it you mentioned you obviously did took that instead of t- going to college obviously the OC was this phenomenon that I don't know if anyone expected it but like it is still iconic to this day. People still talk about it. COVID everyone's rewatching it. Like new people are finding the show. I'm curious like did you have any idea that it was going to be as big as it was?
1: Not really. No. I think the first time that we realized was when we went to the first premiere episode of it and like we literally thought that that whole crowd was there for something else and we were like I remember we were all riding in the same van together and like we looked over and we're like what's that (laughs) and they were like no that's like the premiere for your show that's where you're going
0: you were obviously the youngest of everyone basically on that cast you were 17 at the time and everyone was in their 20s 30s 40s what was the dynamic initially like with you and your castmates, you being 17?
1: Um, Well, I think it was a bit tricky for everyone because, like, you know, just having, like, I was experiencing all of my firsts and, like, I was so young and, like, you know, my mom would be on set and, um, yeah, I just needed a lot more, like, attention in that sense, because I had my mom there, and there was stuff going on, and I was just finishing up school, and so, you know, they, like, it was a lot of my firsts, let's yeah. put it like that, and mm-hmm. I, um that kind of really, like, separated me a little bit from them, in the sense that, like, I wasn't out there living on my own in LA, like, yet, you know.
0: I didn't realize that the romantic partner that you had on your on-screen relationship with the character Ryan Atwood, with Marissa, you being 17 at the time, I didn't realize he was 25. And so, like, again, as a 17-year-old playing across a 25-year-old, like, that's a pretty big age gap. How did you feel about that, like, romantic on-screen relationship?
1: Yeah, it wasn't just on-screen either. I mean, it was kind of complicated me because like I said like I went into that like a virgin like a kid like really feeling like I needed to grow up quickly to portray like you know acting with people older than me was a bit like oh wow like they know what they're doing and like there's gonna be like relationships on this show and you're gonna need to like play that part and I didn't feel really ready for that because I was always like a really late bloomer in school and Mm -hmm. I hadn't really dated and I had, yeah, I just had, like, no idea what I was doing, really. So I felt like I needed to catch up, I think, a lot of the time.
0: So you had a relationship with...
1: Yeah, 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 I mean, that was my first, like, I had no idea, like, what I was doing, you know, and I think that kind of set things off on the wrong foot, too, because it was like, you know, people hook up on these shows and whatever, and, like, these things happen, but it was, um, it we threw ourselves all into it very fast, and, like, then, you know, when you break up, and, like, things don't work, and they see you dating other people, and, you know, like, notoriously, there was a lot of, like, interdating on that show, and different people, um, getting together, but I, yeah, it was, um, It definitely was tricky that it happened, like, right out of the gate. And that, like, I felt overwhelmed and not ready for any of that. And kind of, like, you know, they were also, like... I remember they were, like, Misha's disappeared with Ben and, like, she's only 17 and a half, 18. Like, and the producers, like, went to my parents and were, like... You know, it was, like, a very... It was kind of a whole ordeal. And so, like, that's in the very beginning of the show before we're even, like, halfway through a season. So... There was a lot going on there. That show, uh, it just so much happened in three seasons. It really feels like it was over the course of like seven years or something, but it wasn't. It was like all crammed into this tiny little space.
0: I didn't understand how much, and I'm not saying this happened in your case, but like I didn't understand how much directors like are really like promoting yes, like hang out together and be together. Like
1: it works for chemistry, but was that your case where they supported it? Yeah, I mean, it kind of felt like a double-edged sword because like, you know, exactly what you said. They're like, oh, we want it to seem like you guys are all friends and that you have chemistry and we need this to really work and make it look like you guys have this chemistry. And then you sort of get punished for it on the flip side and they're like, oh, but not so much that it like affects our production or like what's going on here. And there's nothing you can really do about that. because it's too late like and you know I feel like when I I was that young so like in first relationships like you just kind of know what you don't want you don't know what you do want and so you kind of like panic and and try to like yeah so it was it was definitely a tricky balance to strike. How did you emotionally and mentally
0: handle a dynamic where you still have to see someone every day and like be cordial but
1: Well, I mean, yeah, we just had to like suck it up and get on with it, and there was but there was a lot of like jabs behind the scenes and off camera, and kind of like, you know, um, yeah, I felt I felt like that kind of ostracized me as well because like you know there was a marked difference in like um, maturity level there, and so like it it was. Yeah, I don't know what to say about it. We got through it, a lot of jokes, a lot of like, you know, I really loved our crew and I did feel that they were really there for us and that it was like a family and that part was positive positive. and like I remember Rachel was saying to me recently like she looks back at the scene where we're all playing like chicken in the pool and stuff and it's like those were genuinely happy moments where we could forget about like all the pressure that was on us and like and it was really hard because you know you would be out getting photographed with different people and like I did start dating and then you know you try not to bring that on set when people are you know you just try to let it go at the door yeah, and yeah. kind of get on with it and keep working did you
0: end the relationship
1: yeah I mean I yeah I drew I think you know like one of those things you're so young and you realize like I'm not ready for this <sighs> like I have no idea what I'm doing yeah like, it's overwhelming yeah overwhelming and just like too close to home mm-hmm. like you can't it that it would be a very very tricky thing to keep Going on set. And I think, you know, Adam and Rachel, like we all kind of experienced that in some form or another. But again, I just felt like not mature enough, like younger than them in that sense. I'd not dated before and I was not aware of. And I think he was like really angry with me to begin with and like kind of like, and I felt the punishment of that. Like I felt that from the producers as well that they were not um, like happy about that but like that's where the like there was such great chemistry between the characters and i totally. think like people did fall in love with them because there was like genuine friendship and love there on some level you know
0: such a good point like i remember when i was i had rachel on my show and we talked about her and adam and like the chemistry between the cast the core four it was like overwhelming for people and we romanticized it so much and yeah. i could imagine you're right like ending relationships like Adam and Rachel at one point like it
1: was so heightened but that sexual tension was there for and bangs. it really like it reads like even mm-hmm. when you're looking at the scenes on like the Ferris wheel and stuff and like you know I think we like kind of hated each other at that point <laughs> but like there was still, still there. this like intense kind of like tension right. there and so it really worked for for the show
0: can I ask if you lost your virginity when you were filming the OC is that kind of what yeah. You're, yeah yeah, like that's what I'm yeah. saying like yeah. I
1: was just such a like I had no idea about relationships at all or sex and so like it was kind of just like a whole learning curve Mm -hmm. for me
0: you had mentioned there was bullying on set in like an interview and I'm curious if like you can talk about that a little bit as like being in that position
1: like how do you deal with that there was just kind of, like, back talk between people, and, like, there was, it's, I think I heard you say this in one of your interviews, it's typical that in these sets where, like, everybody, that not everybody is going to get along, and even with, like, the secondary characters and, like, guest stars and people who came in, you know, there are going to be clashes, there are going to be people who are going to create rumors and make stuff up and, like... Yeah, um. I think I was just very sensitive to that because I was so young and like finding out that like maybe people were talking about you behind your back was I was particularly like sensitive to that. It felt like high school but in the real world and very elevated and very magnified. Totally, totally yeah
0: marissa the character you played was like the it girl like she's partying she can get all the boys she's got like the family drama she's getting into trouble i'm curious like did you relate to anything that she was going through
1: I found those places in her I guess I mean like I yeah I, I started to more and more I think that's why they wrote so much drama for her in there like the relationship with her parents and stuff because that was the stuff that I could I felt that you know emotional turmoil and angst in my life going on outside of the show and so it was easier for me to to play into that and so I did start you can't help but start to relate to your character when you're playing somebody day in and day out is this bizarre kind of like emergence of the two and even like my social life outside of the show took on a very weird turn with me dating like you know like a typical uh, like rich LA kid and like some of that kind of like and because of the fame and the paparazzi and stuff it kind of like all took on a weird turmoil around so the character ended up like that's what we played up in her as well because I really was going through a lot of growing pains and kind of coming into my own and so the things I related to most was like her her inner turmoil
0: you leave at the end of season three it's still to this day is like one of I feel like the most heartbreaking moments on tv your character dies how did you decide spoiler alert right. oh, yeah. <laughs> by the way if you're watching on tiktok turn this off I'm like so Marissa dies oh, yeah. how did you decide to leave the show was um, it your decision
1: that's complicated you know things had not been going like they really needed like a huge um cliffhanger something had to give something had to change and I'm like to be really honest like You know, I think as Josh and Stephanie were writing it, they they knew they needed something huge. And the obvious thing was, like, how much more can we really do with Marissa? Like, really, what more can she do? She's, like, experienced, like, with drugs, her sexuality, with, like, and they'd written so many things, and they were such quick succession of arcs, like, that she was kind of like a character that was spiraling out of control. And at the same time, in my life, like, you know I was getting so much attention and there were other things going on like people trying to write other roles for me and I would not be released from the show I could not go do anything else so like you know even like Stan Lee was writing like a comic book character for me like there was no way that they were going to let me out to go do anything outside of the show because that's just how it is you're like And so I think it was the obvious choice, Mm -hmm. Um, the friction just between my team at the time and them and like how I did seem to be the most alienated one and a bit a fish out of water. Like, I think that was like, it was an obvious choice. And we like, I don't know. I mean, Josh and Stephanie have their own ideas of how they ended it. And they say that they regret like a lot of like how they did handle it. But I thought it made the most sense for her to go out with a bang. She wasn't really a character that I thought, you know, should just, like, fade off into oblivion or, like, you know, ride off into the sunset. Like, she had to go somewhere, and I felt like that was the right thing for her do you remember the feeling of when the world saw that scene like did you pay attention to how many people were so devastated were you overwhelmed it was crazy I had people crying in airports to be like people would come up to me on the street and be like can I hug you like I mean people wanted to like physically touch me they were just very like concerned about what had happened with the character because they're like you're alive really upset people and especially upset young girls and rightfully so I mean it should like you know she had taken it too far and like but all the best characters do, and yeah. like all the best characters, right. kind of like, you know, have some huge tragedy. Hers You're is right. a bit final, but uh, just a bit. <laughs> um, when you went on the OC rewatch
0: podcast with the girls, I remember watching you. Like you looked upset when you were watching that final scene. You were like, "Oh my god!" Well, I haven't watched it maybe ever. ever. Actually, is there like, a reason?
1: Well, I never sat down and watched the show yeah. as it was airing. It was not something so, like, a lot of it I hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And that one in particular, I hadn't seen it since we shot it. And I forgot so much about it. Like, the fact that there's no music. There is a really a choice because the show was so music-driven. So and that whole thing is just kind of, like, silent. And then, you know, the flames in the car. Like, I didn't remember it being quite that dramatic the way the car is actually on fire and like oh girl it was dramatic yeah you had
0: me in tears and then
1: alleluia starts playing and then you're like
0: but um when you watched it and you were like okay let's turn this off it's gonna get emotional like did what did it bring up for you seeing that scene because it felt like you were like upset
1: We were upset on set that day. A lot of the crew were really sorry to see me go, and they were pretty upset. And it was a lot of goodbyes and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, putting on a brave face about the whole thing. But basically, like... I mean, I would always make, make light of everything. And we were like more blood, more drama, like, you know, and, but it was, um, it was a sad time because we were, we were sorry to leave each other, you know, they really were like a family to me. A lot of the guys and, you know, the heads of department on that show were really there for me through tough times, you know. How would you describe that time of your life? Like after the OC? It was an intense time. It was because I think the thing that um, I hadn't really wrapped my head around was like the amount of worldwide fame that show actually got. And so there wasn't anywhere to really hide. And I think what overwhelmed me was like I was doing all these campaigns. And like there were times when I only had a few days off in the year. There was a lot of friction at home. There was like really no place for me to go that felt calm. And there was just a lot of pressure being put on me me by um, by people who expected the most out of me constantly and so like I never really like there were some, years there, where, like, that there was only, like, maybe two days off in of the year, like, and I didn't, so I, and, like, what really got me would be going to somewhere like Australia, or the, wherever you would think would be, like, the middle of nowhere to, like, and then still having, you know, pictures surface of you, and, like, you, I just, it felt like I could never really get away from anything, and I had no privacy. The paparazzi were absolutely
0: obsessed with you it was like insane can you talk about some of like the like
1: details of like the way that they would try to get to you to like really embody what you were going through it was dangerous most of the time and also just extremely invasive I mean the lengths that they would go to to like tap phones and conversations and like find out where you were going and track your car and stuff. I mean the lengths they went to were were pretty absurd.
0: I like think I read somewhere you said something like They would, like, give homeless people phones?
1: No, they really did. They would give people, like, in the Malibu, like, Country Mart and stuff and people on Rodeo. They would give, like, random people, like, phones and they would say, like, if you ever see a celebrity show up, I'm the first person you should call. Like, I'll give you 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever it is, if you tip me off that you see like Misha or Nicole or any of these girls coming down here to like go shopping or go to lunch that way they wouldn't have to like sit there all day and wait themselves in (sighs) the car lazy (laughs) fucks
0: you're like lazy piece of shit
1: okay you couldn't just wait there yourself
0: I mean that's just insane and you're right like it was a different time and I think Maybe with
1: social media now, like, there's just more access, so it's less intense. You can't get away with the same level of invasion of privacy, and you're right. Like, it's better. I think people have lived and learned, like... The nice thing about social media is, like, and the way it is now, you can give access to what you want to give access Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. And so if you share more, then there's less of this kind of insane wall to try to get behind. So they're not literally scaling the walls to celebrities' homes anymore because you're in there, like, posting about your life and you're sharing more about your personal life. And so it doesn't have that kind of intense, the stakes aren't so high. You,
0: I think, had said at one point you're some someone on your team around you started to give you like prescription drugs when did that start happening and like how did how did that happen
1: it was happening even towards the end of the oc
0: This episode is brought to you by new Garnier Fructis hair filler with vitamin C-G. Many things can damage your hair like heat styling and bleaching, but the all-new Garnier Fructis hair filler systems can reverse up to one year of damage to your hair smoothness in just one use, giving you up to 79% stronger hair and up to four times less breakage. And all Garnier products are approved by Cruelty Free International under the Leaping Bunny program. New Garnier Fructis hair filler, pre-shampoo, shampoo, conditioner, and serum are available now on Amazon and at Walmart, Target, Ulta, Drug, and select grocery stores. Learn more at garnierusa.com. This episode is brought to you by Curology. If you have particular skincare challenges, it can be really frustrating to waste time and money on products that just are absolutely not formulated for you. That is why I'm so excited to recommend Curology I have personally struggled with acne my whole life and I'll look at someone on YouTube or TikTok or Instagram and be like, should I buy those products? No, I do not have the same skin as them, so I should not be treating it the same. Curology's personalized prescriptions are formulated to treat your individual skin needs from acne to the earliest signs of aging. All you have to do is go online, take a quick quiz, and you will be connected to a licensed dermatology provider that will create a custom formula Based on your skincare needs. If you're ready to start your skincare journey and start seeing results, here is a special offer just for you. Visit Curology.com slash call her daddy for a special offer. That's Curology, C U R O L O G Y.com slash call her daddy. Offer applies only to your first box, subject to consultation, new subscribers only, subscription required. Someone on your team around you started to give you, like, prescription drugs. When did that start happening, and, like, how did did that happen?
1: It was happening even towards the end of the OC. Like, it was put into the contract that I had to have a sober coach with me, and so then, like, I was being watched 24-7, but, like, it was still very popular in those days, like, to still be prescribing, like, Xanax and things for, like, you know, like, whatever. Like, if you were... Under a lot of duress or stress, they'd be like, "This is what you need to do to like kind of get through it." And it was just um, being constantly told what to do by people every second and micromanaged in in every single way. And I think that that just became—I well, don't think it did—become overwhelming for me. And it wasn't like there never really was a proper break. There was never really a moment. And like, I remember coming back home, like they were very concerned. Like I walked into my house and there was like, you know, like 10 guys in suits all sitting around, like talking to me. I was like, what is this? And they were like, well, you have to go do a project in like two weeks. Like, are you going to be ready? So it just kind of all started compounding. Like
0: you're saying the men in suits were there to like,
1: those just people from like all over like the agency like producers like the like, people really wanted to know that i was going to be performing and and doing like right. the schedule that they expected me to stick to and and like i mean i don't think that would even like i don't think you could really do that with actors now like now if you say to somebody like i'm i'm not doing well or i like there are like trigger words that you right. can like where they're like okay well we have to leave this person alone like she needs like a few days off or she needs some time to herself like that wasn't the case yeah. then and i've listened to other actors talk about that too where they were kind of like i mean it's a big deal when you're helming A whole show and everybody's jobs are relying on you and and situations like that so
0: that's an interesting point like mental health wise like no one was having conversations the way that they were now so like because all I'm thinking about is anyone like asking you like Misha are you okay like do you need a break Mm -hmm. and instead everyone's like how are we going to get you out the door the next day like take this pill like everybody's here like we need to you're making us all money so let's go out the door that's a lot of responsibility and a lot of weight to put on a young girl that's been doing this for so long like the beginning of this interview I'm like you're 10 when you get your first movie um your mom your relationship with your mother at one point you did fire her as your manager like what was the dynamic that led to that? And then how did you get back to a relationship?
1: It just wasn't healthy. And I mean, it's still like, you know, I've just in my life, I've really learned to prioritize like my chosen family and like the people who have really actually been there for me. I don't rely on... um like any one particular family member anymore. Like I've learned that for my own happiness and like those relationships, I think in life, to be honest, are the most toxic because you feel like you can say or do whatever you want Mm -hmm. to somebody because you're related. And I've found that those have been the hardest for me um, to really understand. So, I mean, I'm completely independent now and I do everything for me and you know like it's led to my like sobriety and happiness and like i've had to watch other people crumble and it's been hard to watch but like you know i i'm just grateful that i've been able to kind of find the the people in my life who have been there for me yeah. consistently and consistently shown up for me and so like that's led to where i am now which is like healthy and sober and happy and like you know But unfortunately, I've had to lose a lot of family members Mm -hmm. along the way. And so, like, you know, there are people in this industry who understand that there are a lot of people. It's it's unfortunate, but it's sometimes, like, the reality of the world is that.
0: I think it's a good point, though. And I think I've talked about that on my show before. Like, family, the word family is so just by the way that you define it, like it doesn't have to be blood and you can make your own family and like the family that you're born into, it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean anything. It's like if you're not getting treated correctly, like then you need to adjust your relationships and you need to reevaluate and just because it's blood doesn't mean like you have to stay and you have to, of course, we're going to fight for things to a certain degree, but when it's so unhealthy, um, seeing things online of like potentially family members like stealing money from you, like how do you get to a place where you can like be in relationships moving forward and like trust people from previous things that have been like so heartbreaking and happening to you
1: yeah it it, there has been a lot of heartbreak um I think that like for me the thing that's is like I have to like really concentrate on myself because it's sounds cliche but like you know unless you love yourself and love you and like can spend the time with you you're the person you have to answer to you know and like nobody else and I've had other people I've been yeah stolen from and lied to in so many different ways over the course of you know the last 10-15 years especially and like it's only in the last like two three years even maybe that I feel like I have really taken responsibility for it and for myself and like been like you know what the only thing that I can do is just be happy healthy and sober and working out and like that's the only thing that's really going to like make make my life worth living cuz I had given up for a while there like I was very I just felt so I don't know I don't know, it makes me emotional because I felt really alone. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it really has been just like cutting people out of my life, truly. Thank you for sharing
0: that because I can imagine it's so hard when I'm like, you're talking about your family and you're talking about literally getting stolen from. You're like, how do you, like that's something that is like, you couldn't feel more. How could you feel not alone? Like the people that you usually would turn to, to be like,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I have to believe that in life, everybody does things thinking they're doing it for the right reason. And maybe like with good intentions, but sometimes like there isn't always good intentions. And sometimes you can't really explain why people do what they do. And yeah, that's a it's a tricky one. And I think, you know, in family especially it's a tricky one. And you can just like minimize your contact with those kinds of people and moving forward be careful about because I can tend to be a very open and trusting and kind of naive person for a long time there and I you know I had it happen kind of repeatedly to me in both like relationships as well people using me and so I realized that um yeah I don't know I mean like maybe I wasn't the best judge of character for a while there and to stop making excuses for other people because I think for a long time I was making excuses because you don't want to believe that somebody would. Like, you know. Of course. I'm curious,
0: Misha, like when you were alone in those moments, like, how did you keep going? Because I'm trying to put myself in your shoes of like knowing the closest people to you are kind of like just completely abandoning you. There's no trust, you're getting stolen from. Like, how did you keep even going? I mean, a lot of therapy yeah. and a lot of yeah. just
1: like cutting people out and working on myself, and like, strength comes at the darkest times, you know, I mean, I've found my strength and when I was younger, like I didn't think I was, I thought I was going to like be dead by 27. I was going to be part of that 27 club. It was like, it was like live young and fast. And like, you know, I was like, I, I really didn't give a shit. I was reckless. I was over it. I didn't really, um, you know, want to be doing stuff for other people anymore. I didn't want to be like, you know, the person that everybody needed to be making the money and doing the this and the that. And then, like, you know, I think when I got to my 30s and I was like, shit, I'm still here, I'm still going, and I'm stronger than I was then, you know. And I've been through so much, and these experiences haven't killed me, and they've made me so much stronger. And I've been to court, I've fought for my rights, I've fought for my freedoms, and I've, you know, like, when you get past that and out on the other side, then your whole perspective on on life and everything changes because you're like – I am strong, right? I'm I'm strong. And I used to get so upset with people because they'd be like, you're the strongest person I know. And that really felt like an insult after a while because it just felt like, well, why, why do all these things keep happening to me? But it's true. I mean, you really do. Um, when the chips are down, find that strength Mm -hmm. in yourself, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm so sorry because I can't imagine like being at a place where you are almost like aware that the end could be near for yourself because of what's happening in your life. Like I,
1: well, I romanticized all of that kind of like rock and roll. Just like, you know, I was just like, I, I had kind of made up my mind that it wasn't going to like, yeah, that there was no real kind of longevity in it for me that I just didn't want to, I didn't care to like keep going. And then, yeah, like I said, I think just, I can't stand injustices in life and like mm. I really can't stand when people do take advantage of people mm-hmm. and I think that's where the strength that really came from is just yeah. like you know what like I'm not going like to take this. this and like yeah fuck that like I'm not going to sit by and uh and watch these people do that Talking about that
0: time in your life where like it was kind of like I was romanticizing it it was like fuck this like so in 2007, you were arrested for a DUI and a few years later, you were held in a psychiatric hospital behind closed doors. Like what was happening with you at that point?
1: Well, the DUI, I mean, I don't really know what to say about that. That was just, it was what it was. It was just like, it was a straight up, like we were out one night and yeah, that was, it was stupid. I got a DUI, the psychiatric stuff, like that was just like having a full blown breakdown. And like, I mean, that time it was really, I was, um I I, I was drugged. Somebody had slipped me roofies and I was it was GHB and I'm lucky to be alive. Like, I mean, I just happened to be like I overdosed. And so there was so many things that other people did to me that felt like so aggressively like, wrong, and, you know, I don't think that I realized how dangerous that seedy side of LA can be, and, like, I had been kind of really protected and sheltered for a long time, and when I kind of got out there in the, like, you know, and I was like, I want to live my life, I want to be a normal person, whatever that means, and, like, go to, like, go to these parties, go do this stuff, and then it's like, you know, you end up in a situation like that. It's so... Yeah. I mean, you really do. You live and you learn. And, um, that was, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, it was, I just had a full blown breakdown from that.
0: When I heard you say like, it was so annoying hearing people say like, you're so strong, you're so strong. You're like, but why does this all have to keep fucking happening to me? It was
1: just hard people saying that. I mean, like, you know, even like my boyfriends and all my friends around me would constantly say that, but I didn't feel as strong as I think I was coming across Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I do have this like kind of like British thing of like suck it up just move on like Mm -hmm. kind of don't show your feelings like Mm -hmm. just kind of try to keep like a good exterior to you you know it's only in the last few years that I really feel that like from the inside Mm -hmm. out for a long time I didn't really feel that strength to the degree that I do now
0: I was thinking about, like, of all the... When you're saying, you know, like, people basically taking advantage of you. In 2017, one of your ex-boyfriends, you found out, had filmed you when you were having sex and was going and trying to shop the sex tape. Yeah. Can you take me back to the moment where you realized that even, like, existed and what you were going
1: through? It was a disaster. It was an absolute fucking nightmare. But, I mean, yeah, I don't like to go back there. But I will tell you, I mean, it was... (laughs) <laughs> it, it, yeah <laughs> shady don't boys who live together in a house probably red flag <laughs> too many computers red flag Stop. I mean like the whole thing was just like in hindsight red flags everywhere but like I mean in the bathroom in the living room no. like the whole like just constant so yeah it you was had bad no idea no idea absolutely no idea somebody actually showed it to me and I was like one of his friends came to me and warned me and I didn't think it was possible that some of that was real and it was I mean and apparently he was even caught saying to somebody like he knew that um Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton and all these people had had sex tapes and that like I was one of the only um girls who wouldn't like, and I mean, if you know me, I'm like quite, I'm very private and really prudish when it comes to like sexual relationships and what I share. And so that was just like, I mean, I thought my world was ending. It was literally like the worst thing that anybody could do to me. I mean, forget all the like other things that people have done to me. That for me was like, no, I I cannot go on if this person manages to do this to me and so like I was at a friend's house in the Hollywood Hills I remember and she woke me up and she was like oh my god there's a rumor going around that um that there is like footage and I was like of what like what can it possibly be I that was a whole crazy experience I became my own detective and I went and um, went to the LAPD, and I was constantly contacting, like, the sex crimes. Like, I did my own surveillance of him and his friends, found him, like, yeah. So, I, I had to turn into, like, a full-blown vigilante there for a minute. And, and
0: did you? I'm glad I did. Well, absolutely. fucking When you found also out, like, did you have a conversation with him? Did you
1: not speak to him again? God, no. No. I mean, like, he disappeared. He upped in like i mean the it was already over the like it was just a like a two week thing and it was so he'd already gotten what he wanted he was long gone i had to like track him and his friends down and i mean yeah it was like a nightmare get like going into court getting all these restraining orders constantly showing up for over a year like a year and a half over a long period of time and if i hadn't had the support i'd had from lawyers and from other women who were more aware of it and there was no real laws at the time like the LAPD mm-hmm. were like oh we deal with stuff like yeah we have we we know this stuff goes on but I'll never forget walking into the police station and like giving them the address of the house where I thought most of it happened and they brought it up on the and the cop turns the computer around and he goes is that ha- and he was actually there on Google Maps in front of the apartment building with his dog. And I was like, I mean, like oh God, when I say the out. detective in me like came out. You have no You're idea. You're like, let's go get this mother fucker. You have no idea. Wait, so yeah. did you date this guy for two yeah, weeks? Yeah, it was just like a like two-week fling. Misha. It's shocking what goes through people's minds, like where they see opportunity, isn't it?
0: It's yeah. just so sick how how it happens. Any woman listening, like if they are going through this, like it is not your fault. It is illegal and it's a crime. I'm curious when of everything like that's just
1: you've been through in your life, are you resentful at all? No, no. I mean, there are people that I look back on and I'm like, you know, I've definitely can't stand them. (laughs) I'm glad that they're not in my life anymore. And um, I blame them for some of the things that kind of went on around that time period but no I mean I don't think you can be resentful in life I think I still have I like to think like a great sense of humor about things and like to be I keep things very light-hearted and I keep my chosen family very close and um, and the family that I do choose to speak to very close and like you can't be resentful in life. You may as, It's all over if you're going to get like that. You know, you may as well be dead. <laughs> like, what's the point? Right. You yeah. can't sit around and hate people for the things that happen. You have to learn and grow yeah. and mature from those situations and, yeah. like, evolve, you know? I mean, True. life is one big, like learning curve and, yeah. and story and so like you know you just totally. all you can do is like learn and grow and i'm actually very grateful for that you know yeah. in the yeah. bigger picture like it's made me yeah it's definitely made me who i am today <laughs> if you could say something to yourself when you were at that
0: point where you had the mentality of like fuck it i'll be in the 27 club like what do you wish you could say to misha now
1: Um, you're going to be here 10 years later sitting on a couch talking to Alex Cooper about it. So uh, get your shit together now. (laughs) That you're going to be alive and thriving and happy and healthy and it's all going to come together. Because you don't see it at the time when you're in it. You just feel so overwhelmed, you know. And depression is real. And it takes like a while for like the serotonin and the like happiness to like level out and for you to come back from these situations and it's not like an overnight like but then like strangely one day it will be kind of like a, yeah. a switch gets flicked Isn't and you so feel weird it is weird it's like <laughs>
0: you look back when you're talking about it like I have moments in my life too where I was like going through something or whatever and then one day you're just like making
1: coffee or you're yeah. dr- and you're like oh my god it all I'm not like, that person at all yeah. anymore I don't know because when I was in it I didn't see Like I couldn't barely even see a pinpoint of a light at the end of the tunnel, and now here I am, and it's like I'm not even in the tunnel.
0: You're not, bitch. The tunnel's (laughs) nowhere to be found. Okay, it's gone. It's so gone. It's gone. Um, are you dating? Are you in a relationship? Are you single? are you dating? Are you in a relationship? Are you single? What are no, we doing?
1: I'm single at the moment and I love it. Oh my God. I love it. I've really truly have just been working on myself oh. and I fucking love it. I... It's great. I mean, I don't have to answer to any I just like, I feel very like, you know, like, happy and sober and like clear and like I can be healthy and because I will fall into like it'll all happen when I fall in love again like I fall hard and fast and then I'm like you know kind of almost codependent with that person. So I hope, like, moving forward, if I want anything from my relationships, it's that they aren't so intense. and I, like.
0: I do feel like what I've learned, though, is, like, that's also just... We're talking about all these different stages of your life, and something I learned about myself is, like, I had a similar experience. Like, I was like, God, these relationships are so heavy and so intense and then the more I worked on myself and the more that I became the best version of myself and it sounds like you're just in this place of like clarity Mm. and you're like Pilates and yoga and sobriety bitch
1: like you're you are you don't give off those vibes guys don't feel like they can control you like that yeah exactly because you are you without even knowing it you are giving off vibes that you need to be babied or you need to be taken Mm -hmm. care of Mm -hmm. in some way I think and like even though you feel like you're acting so independent but like yeah it's different like
0: you will attract someone completely different in this new stage of your life just because you're You also see yourself differently. I mean, even think about what you were feeling about yourself before 27. And then now you're like, oh, my God, these are different people. I
1: mean, yeah, that person never would have considered settling down, never would have considered Mm -hmm. marriage, kids, anything like none of that would have even been like Mm -hmm. I'd have been like, oh, hell no. But, you know yeah things things change so you said you kind of would consider yourself like are you a
0: romantic yeah valentine's yeah. day misha brought me literally a <laughs> nice little teddy bear
1: and a little rose well you're engaged and i was <laughs> like oh you have to spend valentine's it's a and i hate that word galentine's but i was like no. okay so like no, it's such an annoying word isn't it but anyway um i was like if we're doing valentine's day you need a teddy bear and a let me be so rose. clear I cannot explain to you how happy I am
0: that I'm spending Valentine's Day with you. Like, truly, (laughs) this episode, I already know, is one, going to help so many women, and two, Mm. like, we're Misha fans over here, okay? We (laughs) fucking love you. Um, If you do start dating again, what is your approach to dating, and what
1: are you looking for? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, I think I, again, with that, I went through phases where, like, I really wanted to date musicians and like be on tour and like, you know, like, Misha. yeah, exactly. Like those, those days are over. That's not attractive to me anymore. I don't want to be with like the guy in a band and I don't like, you know, know, I mean, never say never, but it's not really my thing. And I've kind of, you know, I've, I've moved on from all of that stuff and I've matured. and So you had taste. a type. I mean, I did date a lot of like kind of band guys. I don't think I have a type per se, but... What was it about the band guy that you were loving? Like, what was going on? I don't know. I was just young and thought that was cool to be on tour with, like, the Cold War kids or Rooney and stuff. Like, you know, like, I Rooney. thought that I was, like, having a blast. I was in my 20s. I don't know. Like, it was fun. Wait, I forgot. And Rooney was on the show. Mm-hmm. We had so many cool bands on the show. It was a great way the to meet was people. The everything. Yeah. Okay, so
0: you liked the band boys, but now maybe we're, like, veering away.
1: Yes. No, we have veered away. Um. I'm. <laughs> I like people. Who are driven and have their own stuff going on? It's incredibly important, considering how like independent and driven I've always had mm-hmm. to be in my life and mm-hmm. am in my life. Like yeah. I need, and that and a sense of humor are the two main things.
0: What is a non-negotiable for you?
1: Like if you don't have a sense of humor and you can't make me laugh, like if you're not funny, then it's like no, that's not going to work. Probably <laughs> right. Like I need to be cracking up. Yeah, I I I need somebody who feels like a best friend
0: Mm mm-hmm
1: so because I think also if you could talk about
0: because I as we wind down like I have a lot of I just sounded like my fucking therapist you guys my therapist at like the 50 minute mark is like as we wind down I'm like oh bitch that's your way of telling me like it's over like you're gonna hang up on me panic um but as we wind down um I'm curious like of of all the themes we did talk about with men, like how have you, whether it's in therapy or just on your own journey, like how have you tried to rebuild trust? Because I feel like there's so many women that write into me of like, I just feel like I've been so fucking wronged by men and sorry to all the men in the room, but like it's hard to not hate them because of the bad interactions you've had with them. Like, do
1: you have any advice for women that have gone through? i definitely become more of a girl's girl over the years. That's for sure. Um, But what, in relationships, like how to like not get, yeah, I mean, you have to, you just have to, I mean, you just have to keep your wits about you, but like, you can't go around with like we said, like resenting or having a chip on your shoulder and being like that, because also you won't attract like the right people in that, in that phase either, so, I love love, I think, you know, everybody needs to keep an open mind, so there are good people out there even though this episode (laughs) addressed a lot of you all suck (laughs) a lot of not so good people but
0: no there are you're right and it's like I think it's it's important to have conversations with like this of like the bad can be really fucking bad and really fucking dark but if you keep pushing through it like you said like you wish you could tell yourself then like no bitch you are gonna make it past 27 and it is going to get better and you You are so strong, but you shouldn't have had to be that strong. But the reason you're still here is because you're so strong. And, like, keep fighting to people listening that are going through it. Like, Mm. there's a reason to keep fighting because it actually most of the time always does get fucking better. It does.
1: What do you think is the biggest misconception about you? Ooh. I don't know. I I think, like, honestly, a lot of people think that I am Marissa Cooper. Like, I think a lot of people think I'm going to be a really stuck-up bitch. Like, I do... I get that vibe, like, that people think, like oh, I've dated these guys and that, like, I'm going to be, I, I do think that that's a horrible, like, it kind of comes with the territory of when people meet me. They're always like, oh, you're so much prettier in person and you're so much nicer than I thought you were going to be. And I'm like, wow, okay, I don't think I want to know what you thought. <laughs> but, like, I think that seems to have been, like, the lasting stigma around things I think it's the whole thing we were talking about of like you know like the storylines of Marissa and like Misha at the time kind of crossing and people just like equating the two with each other I think that's been kind of a toxic kind of lasting like that some people have stuck in their heads
0: does that make you at all like resent the character
1: no, I, I still love Marissa as a character. I think she's a badass bitch and I think like she was a great character. I just think, um, you know, like people are not the roles they play and like actors are like, you know, you've, yeah. Uh, yes. Give, give actors actors are not break. the roles they play. <laughs> Period. God bless everyone online. You get that. TikTok. Okay.
0: Um, what do you hope people take away from this interview?
1: Hopefully, like for me, girl girl strength and power because I think talking about these things and like, you know, if you can talk about your dark times and your depression or anything that you've been through and like for me, like I said, I was walking around the city with my headphones and listening to your interviews and I, I do find them really interesting and I think it's important that you can listen to other women's perspectives and what they've been through and if you're having a bad day, it's probably, hopefully it's not as bad as Misha's first day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're like... Which hopefully this really brings you up. <laughs> this will brighten no, you. But your you're day. right. It's like sometimes when you're really, everyone goes through it, where you're feeling so alone, and it, there is something really nice when, especially people you look up to that you know online are like, "Oh, I have been through it." It, yeah. it can give that person sitting in their room, whether it's a good or bad day, to be like, "Damn, I'm so not alone." In the, it's all the same themes. It's yeah. all we all have ties to each other. It's just we experience it or feel it differently. But um, no, I really appreciate. Appreciate you opening up today because I know you don't do a lot of this kind of stuff no. but I think in the right environment like it it was such a well, powerful well I wanted to talk to you
1: because I think yeah. you're cool I get good vibes from you mm-hmm. and when I was when I first spoke to you I was like out of everybody that I could talk to like yeah, it's true. I turned down all the podcasts and stuff, but it's been fun talking to you.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate that. Mm. Last question. Yes. What can fans expect from you next? What are you up to in your life? Just like give ah. us the
1: tea. Ooh, you know what's fun is, well, I was working quite a bit last year, which was which was fun. And so I was traveling a lot. And then so I was working in Australia and now I think I'm gonna be doing a rom com later this year in Australia, which is a really new territory for Stop. me. So she's a really fun character. Yeah, I know. It's not the kind of role, but she's got this kind of like a great sense of humor to her, the character and stuff. And I just think it's such a beautiful backdrop to to film in. And um, yeah, I really, I feel, I feel this character. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. (laughs) That. And um, yeah, I did a little movie in Ireland last year, which was really fun for me because I got to be back near my Irish roots. Mm -hmm. So fun. Yeah. Just a... You in a rom-com? I know. Misha, I'm like, I'm already gagged. I love this one because it's like a modern day, like real take on, um, you know, she's got a great sense of humor and she's really grounded and like the supporting, like he's got a brother in it and she's got her sister. So those dynamics also come into play a lot. So I think um, it's a great script. And yeah. Let
0: me just say this. (laughs) The daddy gang, my fans and I will be sat Ready to watch with our popcorn. Ready to
1: support our They're coming back, too. Like, I mean, (laughs) yeah. It's a fun
0: genre. We
1: don't always want to be in, like, you know, running scared and doing these dramatic roles.
0: Right. And, like, our emo days. Like, we want – sometimes we want to, like, little laugh with our popcorn. Misha, I cannot thank you enough for coming on, for trusting me with this conversation and, like – truly it has been such a pleasure to get to know you more and i feel like i mean i know there's so much more to you but i appreciate you sitting down with me because this was really one of my faves so thank you and thank you thank you thank you for coming and taking time out of your
1: busy life no thanks i'm glad we got to meet up here in new york Woo! (laughs)
0: This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want zero dollar delivery fees? Try DashPass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. DashPass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy gang. So Get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with DashPass, and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today.